our message series, Better Together, because we are better together. I'm, I'm telling you, Satan wants to isolate us and keep us away from you. Just kind of, you know what, I need to pull back. Times are getting tough. I need to pull back. And boy, if we could just, if we just listen to that lie, we miss so much. Because reality, uh, Jesus has called us to be better together, to be together. And when we just lean in, your faith is not pulling back during trial. It's pressing in during trial. Now, my faith is activated when I start to lean into my situation. But my nature, my soul wants to pull back and just go hide for a little bit. And just, I'm going to go find rest. Well, there is rest, but then there's also hiding. And so we got to know the difference between uh, isolation and just solitude. Isolation is not good. Solitude's good because we get it with the Lord a little bit. And then we got to go get with our people. Got to get, get with our brothers and sisters and get loved on a little bit. But we're talking about being better together. I want to put a hashtag on this, maintaining a kingdom focus. Maintaining a, king, maintaining a kingdom focus, because a lot of times we get our problems. Problems happen. Life, is, life happens, so problems are, are existing. Things that we did in the past, they bring up shame and guilt. They're, they exist, but then we get problem-focused, and we should be kingdom-focused. And when we get kingdom-focused, that's when we can trust in the Lord. We hear from the Lord. We see what the Lord is doing, both in His spoken and in His written word. And then, then all of a sudden, we begin to work. God begins to work that into our natural situations, and then He starts to change things up. So we got to maintain a kingdom focus. Let me just pray over this message today, because I, I know the Lord's got something. He is... He is up to something. This, this, is, this is going to be good. Father, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for this weekend. Thank you for this changing of seasons, Lord. Thank you for, Lord, Lord even September 11th passed, 18 years ago. Thank you for how you bring your people together. Thank you how you brought America together. Thank you that, more importantly, your word says that since the days of John the Baptist until today, that the kingdom of God is suffering violence. In the same way, in September 11th, America suffered, suffered violence. The kingdom of God to this day is suffering violence. And boy, that should activate our hearts. That should wake us up to purpose. That should wake us up to the destiny that God, that you have purposed us for, Lord. And so let it be today. The word, the grace upon your word just saturates our soul and changes our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Now, I didn't pray so y'all, I could wipe my tears. That wasn't what that one was. That was a genuine prayer. I'm going to start this with Proverbs 29, 18. One of my favorite verses. It just, it just speaks to me every time I start to get distracted. But it, I'm giving you the message version, message version of uh, Proverbs 29, 18. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, if you don't have clarity for your life, for your, for your marriages, for your finances, for your spiritual journey, if you don't have clarity... For what's going on in life. Here's the deal. They stumble all over themselves. Most people just stumble all over themselves. I don't have clarity for where I'm going. I just start to stumble around. Then, and it begins to define your life. And you think, well, if I can just fix this one little issue, if I can just fix this one little problem, it's not true. Really, what we need to do is begin to focus on something else. And then... But when they attend, this is what it says, but when they attend to what he reveals, if you could just see what God is seeing for your life, if I could just see what he's seeing, if I could just hear what he's saying for my life, and if you could understand the spiritual journey we have for you right here, we feel like God's put a spiritual journey on Thrive, if you could just see what God is doing in the spiritual journey that he's designed for you in this place, it says this, they are most blessed. And you will truly 
They're most blessed. When you're most blessed, you truly find that godly contentment. That's something we're in search for. Well, why, why, don't, I, why don't I feel peace? But if we'll just begin to attend to what he reveals, what God reveals, and we start to take care of that thing, we just start to put our focus on that. Quit focusing on everything. We just begin to have some focus for our lives. They are most blessed. And lastly, I feel like this. I feel like the church, we as a church, we have been settling for way less. We have been settling in our lives. We have settled. Jesus paid the highest price. My, my pic, mental picture on this is Jesus wrote a trillion-dollar check, and he handed it over, and we're saying, well, I'll take $100 of it. I, I'll come in, and I'll sing to you on Sunday. Thank you for giving me life and life abundance and eternal life. Thank you for healing my soul, setting me free. Thank you for giving me, delivering me, giving me everything that I need for prosperity, for abundance, for just to carry, take the weight off. I'll, I'll, I'll sing to you. Dang. What's next, though? What does, he, what does he really want? David said this in Psalm 1611. He says, you will show me the way of life, the path. God, you will show me the way of life, the path, the steps, the journey that you have set out for me, granting me the joy. And by the way, this is how you know you found that path that God has destined you for. All of a sudden, you start to have this level of, of joy, and the it's the best life you could ever have. But you got to get unstuck. you gotta, you got to get unstuck. Stop settling and get unstuck. There's, some of you have been stuck from the same place doing the same thing for the last five years, and you're in a cycle of life. And can I say it about five more times? Get unstuck. Amen. Realize the journey of God does not go around in circles unless you're of the Hebrews in the wilderness trying to figure out what is he trying to get me to do. And he's trying to work the old, the bondage out of you so he can set you on the righteous path into the promised land. Get unstuck. If I had enough time, I would give you some great stories, funny stories, but joy, joy. I won't keep you here for two hours. Joy, he says, grant me the joy, joy of, the, of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. There's something when we begin to find ourselves in him and the path that he has laid out for us. There's joy. There's joy in it. There's pleasures. And that's why our vision is all about four things, and we make it really easy. And boy, we just line everything we do at Thrive Community Church through these four things. And it's introducing the real Jesus right off the bat. We want to make sure that every person that comes through here, however long you're here, we want you to meet the real Jesus. We love on you. We, people coming through, we're just hugging on them. People that don't like to be hugged, they're stiff-arming, but I'm going to hug you through that stiff arm. I, I played football. I will dodge that and then give you a bear hug. I can move some stiff arms really quick. But on a personal level, we've got to have relationship. Like, I've got to have a real relationship with Jesus. I can't come in and just sing to him and not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That happens through prayer. I need to talk with him. I, the Word, I need to be in the Word. Meditation, I need to meditate on the Word. That's not an Eastern religion thing. That's stolen. That, you can't, when God is the creator and he created these things, you can't say, well, that's a different religion. No, it is, it is God's anointing process of communicating with him David would meditate day and night. Seven times a day, he would go and pray. Meditation. Then it's finding freedom. 
Well, we got tribes. Tribe is still time. You can still join a tribe. We have tribes. We want you to find freedom. We have whole. We want you to get some accountability, get around a, a group of people and get loved on, be able to take that mask off and say, hey, look at my wounds. Look at the scars that I've got of life. And what you realize is they got them too. They got the same junk. They've been going through the same thing, carrying the same weight. And there's something about it when you realize other people around you carrying weight, your weight falls off because you realize you're not the only one. But Satan wants you to believe you're the only one that's gone through that. You're the only one carrying burdens and has ever carried burdens. And because we get isolated, we start to believe those lies because whenever things get tense, we pull back rather than pressing in. And it's that very thing that keeps us from the small group, the tribes, and the accountability and open up our heart to let people in and say, hey, I'm right there with you. Let me come alongside you and walk this thing out with you. Let's see what God can do in our lives together. Lose that old shame and sin and quit letting it define who you are. And many, many can't see the future. I can't find my purpose because I'm still allowing the shame of the past to define who I am. And so I I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm longing for this thing called purpose and I can't get up there because the problem is I'm so focused on the shame and the guilt and the things that are, I'm allowing to define me and I'm being held back by everything there. And the only, then, then the only thing you can, then, then it's connecting to purpose. Then and only then when you let go of that stuff. That's why we want everybody to find freedom. That's why freedom is the culture of everything that we do because when I can get rid of that stuff and I can cut the chain Boy, I can start to work, walk in my purpose. Now I start to get connected. That's, what we, that's why we use the equip track. We want to help you to find out who you are. Like, guess what? As soon as you start to get in the ball game, boy, that's when the stuff starts to bubble up. That stuff that's inside, those old wounds, they start to bubble up, and then I got to do a little backtrack. I got to trail back around to freedom. I need some more freedom. I don't need to run from my situations. I don't need to run from this thing that feels like an old situation, but it's not the same situation. It's just what's going on inside of me. Remember, when God brought his people out of Israel, he took them out of bondage, but then he had to get the bondage out of them. And how did he do it? He brought them into a place where they would be better together, and they had to serve one another. And in the serving one another, they began to see this bondage start to rise up. They wanted to go back to the bondage. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And sometimes that's exactly what we do because we're still defined by the things of the past. We start to serve one another, get involved, and now we're starting to get connected to purpose. And then all of a sudden this stuff bubbles up or somebody says something the way that they didn't. I don't like the way they said that. I'm offended. I'm out of here. Boy, we just want to get people connected to purpose, and that's when we start making a difference. That's when we start making a difference. And then statistically speaking, and this is a, this is a seminary uh, this is a seminary testing of the church. 87% of the church has yet to discover what their purpose is. People that go to church, 80% of the church have yet to discover what their purpose in life is. Now, now God says that the church is the body of Christ. And, and we're a body. We're parts of the body. We're different parts. I have different functions than you. You've got different functions than me. Can you imagine if 87% of my body didn't know what it was supposed to do and what it was purposed to do? I would probably be in a wheelchair or bedridden. My, my body just wouldn't function to the fullness of what I'm supposed to accomplish and what it's supposed to accomplish. And I would be, that might be why the church is so impotent and doesn't know who it is. That might be, that might just be why the church at, some, at so many levels doesn't quite have the power that Jesus has actually given us the power to walk in. It might be that's why we're in so much bondage on the large scale, on the large scale, and we're not fully walking out this thing. And the, 
not fully affecting the world, like, and, and not every language has been reached like it should be. It might be because 87% of us don't know what our purpose is, and we have yet to walk in that thing. But I want to give you, if you have that graphic, I want to show you. Here's, this is why we use our, our, this is our discipleship engine. This is our journey. This is what we do to, to, to grow you. This is set out for you. It all is centered around intimacy with God. We want everybody, everything that we do, I want to hear. I want to believe what I hear. And then I, I, I got to make that faith action. I got to start obeying what I hear. But what do we do? We use worship, worship experiences. It's all about the word and presence. Word and presence. Worship, presence, in the word. Word, I'm hoping that you get the, the presence of God falls over you during the word. That, and it's all for you. It's, it's all for you. And then the community of life, that's why we have tribes, that's why we have groups, that's why we have whole, that's why we want you to you know, have some dinner nights together, have some accountability with one another, pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm struggling with something, come get some prayer from time to time, and then equipping, we want to train you for life. Equip track, we want to get you plugged in. Hey, here's what, here, we want to help you from, from point A to point destiny. We're trying to get you plugged. We're trying to use everything that we got, all of our resources for you so that you can become all God created you to be. Then service. Now that this is where it starts to work on me. I start to serve others. I start to get plugged in. I got to give my life away if I'm going to do that. And boy, I can't, I can't be in both places because oftentimes I want to hold on to my life and, and then reach for this give my life away thing. And for some reason, I never can grab a hold of it. And I'm in frustrated because I'm in the middle of this old life and trying to reach out for something that I know God has destined me for and he's, I know he's using to purpose me for but I'm stuck right here and I can't let go because this old life is still defining me. And I want to talk about what happens, what, what we're gripping onto, what we're really holding onto because there's enemies of purpose. And we all have an enemy, common enemies of purpose. And here's the problem with the church and its impotence. Because according to, 12, to Romans 12, 2, apparently the church struggles with following the customs and the behaviors of the world. And apparently the Holy Spirit knew that this was going to be an eternal issue, and so he thought, well, let's go ahead and put this in the Bible. Let me write this through Paul to the Roman church. But we know this is going to be a consistent issue because he wrote Romans 12, 2, and he says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now, why would, I t why would he tell you to not do that if they weren't doing that? Why would, God, why would the Holy Spirit want to put this in through all eternity into his word if the church didn't have a struggle with following the customs and behaviors of the world? Don't follow the customs and behaviors of this world. So you're after something. You're after something. It's just not what God's purposed for your life. He said this world is in pursuit but coming up empty. And that's why there's so much hatred. So much lying, so much racism, all comes from hatred, ignorance, so much thief, thiefery, thiefery, <laughs> thievery, <laughs> cheating. It all comes from pursuing the wrong things. Customs and behaviors of this world, the ills of society are because they are in pursuit of the wrong thing. But let God transform you into a new person. Let him be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We have to focus our shift to the customs and behaviors of the kingdom. Boy, I got to get, get my mind on what the kingdom is doing, what God is saying in his word in the midst of my situation. I can't be conformed to the patterns and the behaviors and the customs of this world because it's messing me up and I'm trying to bring that bondage into the church, into my own soul. 
yet I want freedom from those things, and I keep going after those. <laughs> then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We got three purpose, three, three enemies of purpose. Number one is confusion. Paul says, I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And in December, this is not a spiritual gift message. In December, I've got a, a, one, a message, on a series on spiritual gifts for you. But he, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Got a, I read a great book on the spirit of confusion. That's Satan's number one attack on your purpose. Because if he can confuse you from what you're supposed to do, if he can confuse you from your identity, why you're here, what he can get you off track, you'll never discover. You'll never fully walk out the purpose. Think about it. He did it three times. He tried to do it three times with Jesus in the wilderness. He tried to confuse him, tried to give him a counterfeit. If he can just confuse you right there, you're walking in your purpose. Rick Joyner in this book, The Spirit of Confusion, writes all about this, talking about the spirit of confusion and how it keeps us from our purpose because right when we're about to walk into that destiny, right when we're about to walk into that purpose, all of a sudden we start hearing things from people that weren't even said and we start to twist it into something that looks like the pain that's in our hearts or we start to doubt exactly what God has told us and we begin to, we begin to twist it. That spirit of confusion begins to twist it and now we downplayed it and we brought it, we mixed it in with our own words over our shame and our guilt and we've dumbed it down where it's just comfortable enough for me to, to live. Spirit of confusion. C comparison. You can't find your purpose because you're focused on somebody else's purpose. All in, in Facebook and you're looking at other people's marriages and their finances and their, 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 their issues, their brows, their, you know, their, 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 their body type. Their, I mean, I'm focused on what they got, and I can't even figure out what, what God has for me. Scripture calls this covetousness. I'm trying to hold on whatever what everybody else has. And let me tell you, it's not real for them either. It's their highlight reel. If you could just smell their breath in the morning and how their hair works and their underwear sideways when they wake up, and nobody is doing that, selfies of that, saying no filter. Nobody's doing that. It doesn't happen. But they wait, they get dolled up and get it all fancy and all fixed up after three hours, and then they take a picture, and you're like, I just want to look like that. I want my car to be like that. They took a picture of somebody else's car as it was passing by, and then they posted it as theirs. Come on. It's not real. It's not real. And then there's, then there's counterfeit. Pursuing a career instead of God's destiny, his calling on you. There's nothing wrong with making money. But there comes a time when we begin to settle for a career rather than calling. I had a, I had a conversation with a couple that came by my house yesterday, and they were talking about their, their son-in-law, who was a youth pastor at a church in L.A. And he goes, I'm just not content. I just don't like what I'm doing. He goes, son... You're making $80,000 a year as a youth pastor, and on the weekend, they want you to play the guitar. Stay where you're at. He goes, but I'm not content. I don't, this is not what I'm called to do. And I told him, you'll never be happy if you just continue to stay in something that you know you're not purposed and destined for. So praise God, he walked away from it. He goes, I feel like I'm called to be a lawyer. Out of the blue, took the LSATs, knocked it out of the park. Now he's going to school in Pepperdine. Just like that. God will give you something that's very comfortable, and then he will see, would you like to make this exchange? Would you like to make an exchange for the destiny, for peace, for joy, for the pleasures of life, for, for real, for real life, real purpose? Would you like to make this exchange? And boy, it's a lot of, there's a lot of tension right there, and it's difficult. It's hard to make that. It's a counterfeit. 
That's what Jesus, that's another thing Satan did to Jesus. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. They already belong to him. Your destiny already belongs to you. God's just trying to get you to discover it so you can walk in it. He created you for it. He created destiny, and then he created you for that one. It's already yours. Just got to unpack that thing. Receive it rather than what we're settling for. And then Psalms 139, 13 through 16. I love, I love this when David writes that you formed me in my inward parts. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. See, he, he was formed and created. God says, or David's saying, God, you created me and you formed me for a specific design. I want you to get this part of it. You formed me. He has discovered at this point in life, wait a minute, this didn't just happen. I'm not that good. You formed me in my mother's womb, and you, cre- womb and you created me for a spe- with a specific design for right now. He says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. And boy, it just sounds arrogant, like he's saying, I'm just so great. Well, you are really good, God. You did a good job this time, but that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is I'm confident and I'm humble that what you have done inside of me is strictly for your purposes and your purposes alone. And thank you for using me and choosing me for this, O thing, this, O Lord. History with submission to God's ways will bring a great reality that he is leading every aspect of my life if I'll just get out of my own way. Got to have history. And we get to have a little submission towards God's way. And he says in this, and in your book, they are all written, the days fashioned for me. He realized that I wasn't doing any of this stuff along the way. You had all of this stuff already destined for me to just find out who I am so I could walk in it so that you could do the work through me. You getting it? We're not that good. Like, I'm not that good. You're not that good. And you may be saying, well, that's why I've never accomplished. Get over the shame, but when you start walking in the presence, in the destiny, in the calling that God has, really don't, don't take it upon yourself because you're not that good. He is amazing, and he has created you in an amazing way. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and he has done a great thing in you, and he wants to do great things through you. And it all points back to him. I realize, he says, you have made me purposefully you have purposefully created me in this moment of eternity. And he's created you for this moment of eternity. I'm going to go slow through this. He has created you for this moment of eternity so that everything that he's created you to do and purposed you for will have a ripple effect on eternity thereafter. He knew exactly what this generation was going to need in this time, in 20, going into 2020, and he created you for such a time as this, and he prepared you beforehand, and he created the work so that he was, hopefully, Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding, Lord, Lord, help him just, Father, just help him to find the purpose and the destiny that you created them for, because in this moment of eternity, I hope it's this one. I hope they wake up, and I hope they really get a hold of why they've been placed in this moment of eternity to do the good works that you created beforehand. And you accomplish 
what you have designed, what he has designed you for. He's created you on purpose for this generation, this time, and he wants you to accomplish exactly what he's designed you for. God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. God's design in you, how he created you, design, it shows the destiny that he has for you. When you look at how you're made, it points to what you're supposed to do. If you look at an eyeball, you can kind of figure out, what is that eyeball supposed to do? Oh, I know why that eyeball exists. I know exactly what its purpose is. It's the same thing with each one. Thrive is here to move you from, from that point where you can declare, I was made for this. I was made for this. You're no different than the eyeball. I was made for this. I want you to know that if you're dissatisfied with your life, it might be because you're pursuing the wrong purpose in life. I can identify where I'm, what I'm pursuing by the dissatisfaction in my life. And if, it's, if I'm dissatisfied, maybe I need to start pursuing something different. A different calling, a different, a different purpose. Maybe one that's not my own purpose, but one that I've been actually destined for. And my dream as a pastor is not to fill up this room, but to get everybody in this room through the spiritual journey so that you begin to discover exactly what you've been created for. So one day you can say, I'm living out exactly what I've been made to do. I, I am doing the very thing, I am doing the very thing that God created me to do, and I know that. I'm flawed, I'm messed up, I got issues, I got stuff that, that he's still where He's still using me and, and making me and forming me for the more that he has for me. But the only, the only way that I can walk in my fullness is if I serve each one of you using my giftings that God has given me. It's a combination lock that I have to be serving you using my giftings so that he will grow me into the purpose he's destined me for. Ephesians 2.10 says, it's what he created me to do. I want to give you some questions right here, great questions that you probably need to ask yourself, and you might want to take a picture of these. What natural talents? This is what we, this is what we use our spiritual journey for so that you find all of these to the seven questions. What natural talents do I actually have? What, natural ta- what abilities do you naturally possess? Boy, I just love to do this, and when I put my hands to it, it just, it just goes after it. It's in the notes on version, by the way. You can download it and save it. Sports, number two, what spiritual gifts? What, is, what am I primarily motivated to do? Boy, some people just want a broom. Just give me a broom. I will clean some stuff up. Just give me some donuts, and I will serve those. I'll make them look really pretty. Uh, some people, give me, I, I want to communicate. I want to teach people. I want to, I want to lead them on a corral. Give me somebody to pray for because I want to lay hands on somebody and see them get healed. There, there's gifts all around, and you just are naturally drawn to these things. Somebody just wants some numbers so that they can crunch. They want to be very administrative. Give me some things to do. I want to create the structure behind the scenes. I don't want to be seen, but I want to do it with some other people that want to do the same thing as I'm called to do. The spiritual gifts, what's inside? Three, inward desires. What do you really want to do? Not like, like over, overlook, forget what you, you feel like other people want you to do. What do you really, really want to do? That burning desire. Boy, when I was a kid, I wish I could have done this. I really wanted to do this thing. Four, results and fruit. Where does your life produce the most? And when I put my hands to this, things just start to work. Where does your life produce the most? Five, affirmation and recognition. What do others affirm you about, about you? Boy, Peanut, whenever you step up and you start doing this, I just see people start to listen. I see leadership all over you, and they, they just attract to you, and they want to hear what you have to say. What are people saying about you? 
And you deny it, you reject it, you're pushing it away because you don't want to accept it. In fact, you're carrying the shame that nobody else can see and the guilt, and you're kind of holding on to that, and you're reflecting everything off of the, the, the internal conversations that you're having, and you won't receive anything that God is using people to speak into your life to affirm what he's done inside of you. Six, passion and convictions. What are you compelled to pursue? What are you compelled to... You, you ever seen that? You, you've been there. I'm, my, my little son is trying to start crawling, so he uh, nudges back and forth. He's, and it's like, boy, God is putting something on my life, and I really want to do it, and I'm just kind of nudging back and forth at it, and I can't decide. So here's what he started to do this week. He turned around and started scooting backwards to where he wanted to go, and then he turned around. Boy, sometimes you do just need to fall into what God's got for you. Sometimes you do. For me, it's raising up leaders. I believe I can accomplish way more through developing leaders around me than I could ever do on my own. And that was a bondage I had to come out of because what I was taught was if you can't do it alone, you shouldn't be doing it. You see how God begins to twist things and turn things? He shakes things up. Satan wants you to believe some lies and stay connected to them. When you bring up your desires, however, there's circumstances and opportunities. What opportunity is in front of you now? When you bring up your desires or you don't bring up your desires, what opportunities are people handing over to you? What are we saying, hey, I can help you with this. Hey, you got this. Hey, you can use this. What opportunities? Hey, there's this thing going on. Would you like to do that? What opportunities, what doors is God opening for you right now that you're... Let me give you four ways through Scripture. I'm going to try to make this quick for you. Through Scripture, four ways God reveals our purpose. There's probably more, but I found four this week, and I'm going to give you these four. don't want to exhaust you. The call from birth. Boy, when I was young, I really felt like I really wanted to do this thing. Can I, can I tell you, I'm going to be very honest, transparent with you. When I was young, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I thought that was the only way to help people. And then I thought, here's the, here's the other thought, I will, I will, you will mess people up if you try to help them, Nathan. I was just a kid, and so I pulled away from everything. I'm a pastor now. I'm hoping I'm not messing you up. I mean, if I'm messing you up, come let me know. <laughs> but the lies of Satan that try to keep us from the destiny, I had no idea that God would, God would use me, that I could ever be a pastor. I just thought, well, the natural, the calling, I'm sorry, the career would be psychologist. I didn't know about calling yet. You see how they, they're both parallel towards helping other people. That's my purpose. That's what I'm destined for. It doesn't, it doesn't matter when I, as long as I'm helping people. Many, think, many of you think this is too much has happened. Boy, I've just, I, you know, I've been through marriage, I've divorced, I've been in jail, I've been bankrupt, I've been, you know, I've been through it all, and it, it's just done because I've taken that road. The calling of God is without repentance. The calling of God is irrevocable. God will use every one of those things to exactly get you to the very calling that he's purposed you for. And if Satan can believe, get you to believe a lie, that it's because of those things you're held back. Boy, it's a call from birth. Jeremiah 1.4.8 says this, Before I formed you in the mother's womb, in the, in the womb I knew you. And that's how I know humanity begins in the womb. Okay? We won't relent on that one. Before I formed you in the, in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. To be a prophet, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. It's doubt, doubt. Doubt. I'm too young, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. By the way, many of you looked at your own resume. You're looking at your own life resume, and you've already discounted yourself. 
You already discounted yourself to God's call. Nope, look at this. Look at all the things I've done. I can't do it. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm worthy for that. I knew I was called to plant churches, but I didn't think I could do it either at first. But here we are. I had all the doubt in my mind. But here we are. It's that very thing that I learned. Whenever I start to have a little fear and trembling and a little doubt, that's the thing I need to pursue. That's the, that's the boundary of my spiritual journey in my life. That's what God has got me. That's what Satan's got me bound up by. Therefore, I need to pursue right through that thing, and that's the wall I've got to break through. That wall will not leave. You've got to break through that wall. Boy, it then takes you into a deeper inward journey. You must go to everyone, he says, you must go to everyone I send to you and say, whatever I command you, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. I will rest. You know how many people had negative thoughts about me starting this church? Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. You know how many people are going to have negative things about you or saying about the things that you are purposed to do. And boy, I thank you. That must be what I need to do. When I start letting the world decide what I should be doing, I shouldn't be doing, I have taken on the customs and behaviors of the world. Genesis, look at this. Then there's a growing awareness. God's power lives inside of you. He wants to put his power inside of you, by the way. Number two is there's a growing awareness, a growing awareness. God uses every negative situation to advance us towards his purpose and calling. Think about Joseph. Boy, he had a dream, and he, was, he saw his, his siblings, his family bowing down to worship him, and, and instead, instead of serving him, they sold him. <laughs> he goes into slavery, and God uses it to position him. He gets, the, he gets to Egypt, and then he gets put in prison. Leadership changes in the, in the government of Egypt, and now he's forgotten. These are his thoughts. But God, but God, but God made a way. But God did some things that only God can do to maneuver a situation so that God could elevate Joseph using every negative situation in Joseph's life that in the logical mind will say, this is exactly why I can't walk in the destiny. This is exactly why my family will never serve me. This is exactly why what God has showed me will never happen. But God used those very things to reposition and position him to a place so that one day, as he worked his magic, as he worked his goodness, as he worked his glory as we know it, he moved, he drought, barrenness into the land of Egypt so he could push, I'm sorry, just outside of Egypt so he could push his family into Egypt. And there it began to happen, the purpose, calling, and destiny of Joseph's life. And the very things that have been holding you back, the shame, the guilt, the issues, the struggles, the... God has destined you for greatness, and he wants to use every one of those to position you for your purpose, because out of your pain is actually the purpose that he's purposed you for. Do you know how lazy we are? And if we didn't have some sort of pain, we probably wouldn't get up off our rears. You know how I learned how to write? I'm just going to be really honest. A friend of mine in Louisiana, as I was going to get my vehicle to pick him up, he had to go to the restroom. He knocked somebody out in the, in the, in the bathroom. Real story. I was not safe. I had no clue about this thing. Comes running and gets in my truck. He's bleeding on his hand. What happened? He tells me what happened. I get The, the, the court system wants to, wants to try to make me responsible for it. They want my, my part of the story. 
the last day before I'm about to have to be in trouble for this thing that I never even did and didn't have any issue with, any, any part of, Boy, I got down, I got to write, and I wrote a letter. Here's my affidavit. Here's exactly everything. Here's the officers. Here's their numbers. Here's their... They said, he didn't have anything to do with this thing. I learned I could write that day. <laughs> it was the pain, though, because I didn't want to go into the jail. I didn't want to be responsible for something I didn't do. His pain, it got me off, off, off my rump, and I drove that hour at that time over to, over to Shreveport. Oh, here's my letter. Here's exactly what happened from my side. Clear. Sometimes God's got to use some pain to give us off our rear. All right. Genesis 50, 20 says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done and say the saving of many lives. Boy, your destiny is to save many lives, and God wouldn't have destiny and purpose on you if it weren't to save the lives of the world, the lost. And there's lives that, are, that, are, that won't be saved unless you begin to walk in your purpose and your calling. There's people that won't be reached until you start to walk in your destiny, your purpose, your calling. He did it so that lives would be saved. Number three, walking through open door, God's open doors. That's another way that God brings us into purpose is walking through God's open doors. Esther, think about Esther. Man, the king of the day wanted to court his wife and bring, her, bring the queen out and show her off to everybody. Saying, no, you didn't. You ain't, you ain't showing me off. He goes, you're fired. He said, bring, bring some more women around me. And Jews were in bondage. Israel was in bondage. And so he threw, they mixed some Jews in there. And it, Esther was the most beautiful. And he goes, that's the one I want. Can you see God's hand just kind of moving situations? And so there it is. And Mordecai, a man named Haman, comes in and wants to kill all the Jews. The king has no idea of this, this, this situation going on. Mordecai, the uncle of Esther, says, hey, Listen, you are perfectly positioned for this situation because the Haman is trying to kill every one of us, your people. And she goes, oh, let me see what the story says. Esther 4, for if you remain silent, this is Mordecai talking to Esther, for if you remain silent this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. He had faith. God's going to, re God's going to free his people. But you and your family, they're going to perish. You're going to die in this situation if you don't use what God has given you to step up and speak up. And who, who knows, but you may have come to your royal position for such a time as this. It might just be that you are where you are for such a time as this of etern in eternity and what God has purposed for you to do in eternity. It might be that you're at Thrive Community Church because God knows what the vision is that he's put on Thrive Community Church and he knows what he's purposed and destined you for and he knows what the spiritual journey that he's given us so that he can equip you for what God has called you to do so that you can go out and bless the world and be who you were made to do so that you can say, I was made for this. Yeah. It might just be. And then Esther and the Jews, they fasted for three days, and he says, I, she says, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But I'm going to perish. When I perish, it's going to be on my own. It's going to be doing because I know what I, I need to be doing for the Lord's people. Yeah. Number four, a God encounter. A God encounter. Some of us just need a God encounter. Some of you never had a God encounter. Somebody never had that, boom, just hit me, knock me down. I just can't even, with the weight of the Holy Spirit just sitting on me, and I know it's time for me to respond. It is time for me to respond. Acts 9, 1 through 6. Meanwhile, Saul, now known as Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went 
to the high priest and ask him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, and that's what they called the Christians of the day, those who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly... And as I was preparing for this message, I just, I just felt the Holy Spirit on that, and I just stopped and I prayed. Because I'm praying for a suddenly, a suddenly moment for every person. A su- suddenly. As you're on your way, suddenly. As you're doing your thing that you, you feel like is the right, suddenly. A light from heaven flashed around him. And God attempts to get our attention in, in, in many ways. And he's trying to get yours. I promise you. You think you're pursuing God? He is pursuing you. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. I want you to get this. Notice God didn't write him off. Some carry so much shame, you've already discounted what God can do, and you yourself have become the voice of confusion versus your purpose. God sees everything that you've done, everything you've been through, and he calls you because of that. He calls you to connect to your purpose for your life. He does it for you. God took a murderer of his people and called him to be an apostle for him. The kingdom of God just switches everything in logic. It just turns it upside down. In our, in our flesh, we look at people who have done wrong and we shun them. But when we got the kingdom mindset... And we maintain a kingdom focus. We see him and we see God is calling you. Boy, God's got a calling and a destiny on you. And whew, it must be good because Satan is trying to rob you from it. Boy, God is all over you right now. You see what God does? The thoughts right now that are running through our minds. Yeah, but, yeah, but, you don't know this. God does. And he's calling you through it. And he's calling you through it. And boy, he's saying, you don't know how many people I've got. If he could open up the curtains of people who are struggling with that very same thing. You don't know how many people I got that I want, you to, I want to send you to them. I want to send you to them. He says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And we all have those get up and go moments. This right now, I believe this is a, a get up and go moment for you. I had four get up and go moments. One, boy, when I got saved. It was after that dude knocked the jaw, broke the jaw. It wasn't long after that. It was right about that season. It was right about that season I went out to the lake house where my grand, grandmother was, and I knew the Lord was his time, and I gave my life over to the Lord, and I, my grandmother led me to the Lord. Man, praise, praise God for old Pentecostal women who know the Word of God. <laughs> when he saved my life. Then when he pulled me away, and I, I went in a season of, of solitude with the Lord, for got away with him, began to give me dreams, he began to give me visions, I began to write in journals the things that I felt like he was saying that one day I would do, and in fact... One day I'm doing those things. Second time. Third time. It's whenever I was, I was on my path of career, my version of the calling that God had for me, about to get the business that I thought that God was leading me to get, my career, my, 
my most controllable vision of what God had for me. And he says this, he drew the line in the sand while I was in Honduras, and he says, I want you to stay here. Whew, that's not easy. I said, Lord, do you see the surroundings? <laughs> I had a dialogue with him, and he said, I'll give you more support than you can ever imagine. I'll give you more support than you can ever imagine. But I had to make the choice. Am I going to hold on to career? I'm going to grab for calling. I didn't want to look back and say, I wonder what would have happened if I would have gone after calling. That day I chose calling. And then when he, he spoke to me about starting a church that would develop others and release them into the ministry that he has in their life, what God has called them to do, and plant churches that would do the same. And then in 2013, God brought a man and Randy Clark, and he just laid hand, he prophesied over Ali and I that one day we would be planting churches that was already in our hearts. And here we are. It was four years later we started planting churches with a vision of planting other churches and developing people who God has already ordained to plant those churches. When we settle under God, he does it, and we don't have to work for it. We enter into his rest, and everything just begins to work. And that brought you and I together. We're better together. 